Hello, as Ed said, my name is Tom, um, and yeah, I'm really pleased to be continuing our Why Easter series. Um, for anyone who doesn't know me, I've been around in Bristol for just over a decade. Um, I'm part of the team here, and um, yeah, although by, by day I'm a software engineer, um, but yeah, in, involved in church life. Um, and, and if you've been around here for any time, then you most likely have seen me up here on the stage uh, as part of the worship band, because worship is something that I'm really passionate about, and I usually end up preaching about it. And when you put together the series, you can decide what you preach on, and so here we are. Um, so yeah, just a spoiler alert, I will be talking about worship, um, but yeah, that's a bit later. Um, I wanted to start off by explaining this series. You might be asking, why is an Easter series called Why? <laughs> um, you know, what, what's the thinking behind that? Well, I think that we can get so familiar with passages in the Bible, well-known passages, that we kind of gloss over them. Maybe we, we just take them for granted. We don't really investigate what's happening because we know the general gist. Think of David and Goliath or Daniel in the lion's den. Or in the case of this Easter series, the, the events of Holy Week, that week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, we can get so familiar with them that we just don't think, what's happening? God, what are you saying through this? Why did this happen originally? And what can we take from it? And so we're going to be using this simple question, why, to dig into that. Now, anyone who is a parent, anyone who has worked with children, anyone who's been around children of a certain age will know that this word can cause trouble. In fact, <laughs> I got a lift with, um, with Matt and Annie this morning, and um, I don't know, they, they said something, and, and Bar Barnaby was just like, why? <laughs> you know, um, maybe you're explaining why, why, I don't know, please l stop, look, and listen before you cross the road. Why? You get, you get the question. Well, roads are dangerous. Why? Uh, because there are cars going down them. They can be fast. Why? Well, people are in a rush. Why? Because probably they've got children asking them really annoying questions. You know, you know what I mean. It can be really frustrating to be on the receiving end of those why questions. But isn't it amazing how um, inquisitive children can be? that they want to understand how the world fits together, what makes things happen. And it's unlocked with a single question, why? Amazing. And yeah, as we read the Bible, we want to have that kind of inquisitiveness of children. We want to be asking God, why is this happening? Why, why did this happen? What does it mean? And so that's the heart behind the series as a whole. And this morning we are looking at why was Jesus anointed with perfume? Asking why did that happen? Um, so yeah, I'll just pray. Father God, as we unpack your word this morning, would you speak to us by your spirit? Help us to have an inquisitive mind and to come to know and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Um, I think that I have a pretty rubbish memory. <laughs> uh, just starting off with that. Um, I always feel like I slightly disappoint my parents whenever they're reminiscing about a wonderful holiday that we went on or a special party, a special occasion that we went to. They're having a great time talking about it. And then they look hopefully to me that I would get involved, I would remember. And there I am with a blank face because I just cannot remember it. However, there are two very 
very unremarkable memories that I have from my childhood. And the reason that I remember them is because of the smell. Now, the first of those, um, and I'm not going to describe the smell in too much detail, but it was a school trip to the sewage works. <laughs> yes, very strong smell. I don't know what we did there, but it just hit, yeah, it, the, the memory sticks with me that we opened the coach doors and boom, there you are with the the lovely smell. Um, and the second one, which, again, it's very unremarkable. Um, every now and then, me and my brother would just go up the, up the road to my grandparents' house, and we'd stay overnight. We'd have, have tea together, we'd maybe play a game or watch some TV, go to bed, and have breakfast the next day. Nothing particularly special or, or like unusual, nothing to, to sort of sing about, um, but it sticks with me. It was a lovely moment. And the smell sticks with me as well. You know how grandparents' houses can have that particular smell? Maybe it's the detergent they use or a fragrance they've got. Um, but yeah, two unremarkable things that stick with me because of the smell. And I wonder, with this story, and actually we find accounts like this, probably different uh, scenarios, um, but we find accounts of this in all four of the Gospels. And I wonder if part of that is because the smell of the situation stuck with the disciples who witnessed it. So, um, I'm going to tell you this story. Um, the words will be on the screen of, of the Bible verse, um, but you might, so you might want to follow along. You might want to open up your Bible on your phone or a physical one and follow along. Or you could close your eyes and imagine yourself in the story. So, Jesus is in Bethany, in the house of a guy called Simon the leper. Now, in those times, lepers were social outcasts. You wouldn't have dinner with them. You wouldn't be near them. And so, yeah, they're not going to be um, throwing dinner parties. So all we can do is assume that he's been healed, probably, by Jesus. Simon the leper, Jesus, and his disciples are reclining around the table. And that, this is where I want you to use your imagination. There is probably a feast amongst everyone. What can you smell Maybe it's roasted meat, wood smoke, olives, or freshly cooked bread. What do you hear? Is there a hubbub of conversation as people are excitedly talking about Simon's healing? Or are they silent, listening to the words of Jesus, maybe asking questions every now and then between chewing on their food? Now, at the corner of your eye, you notice a woman enter the room with a jar, and she goes over to Jesus. The conversation is starting to halt now. People are watching what's happening. And that's when the smell hits you. This isn't the cheap stuff. This is sweet. It smells like lavender. It is pure fragrance. It's so expensive. It must have come from, I don't know, China or India. Every eye is on the woman now. She's pouring the perfume on Jesus' head. And you can see the indignation rising amongst the disciples. What's this woman doing? Why is she wasting this valuable perfume? They're muttering, some louder than others. Why the waste? Why not sell it and give the money to the poor? And they start to tell her to go away, rebuking her for what she's doing. And then Jesus speaks up. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? 
the muttering stops. She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you'll always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you'll not always have me. She did what she could, and she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Now, I love imagining myself in these stories. It's so easy to, to read these accounts, but when you put yourself in the story, when you imagine the smell, the taste, the sound of what it's like to be with Jesus, ah, oh, it's special. And on the surface of it, when we come to our question of why was Jesus anointed with perfume, well, Jesus answers that himself. He was anointed to prepare for his death, his burial, which was going to come. And that mirrors what Rob was saying last week about the, the sort of prophetic element of Holy Week. We see, we see so many times that what happens um, happens to fulfill a prophecy hundreds, maybe thousands of years earlier. But the prophetic element of her actions wasn't just about what was going to happen in the next week, but it was prophetic about who Jesus was. So in the Old Testament, we see that anointing or, or having oil poured over you is used in a, in a variety of different ways, um, mainly to set things or people apart. So we see it with the kings. King David has oil poured over his head. He is anointed to set him aside to be king. Prophets may have been anointed. Um, we certainly read about Elisha being anointed by Elijah as a way of, sort of passing on his prophetic mantle. The priesthood, all of the priests were anointed with this special oil to set them apart as holy. And the tabernacle itself, the, the tent of meeting, the place where people met God, Every element was anointed with oil, lampstands, altars, tongs. The tent itself was all anointed. So that's in the Old Testament. And then when we come to the New Testament, we hear Jesus being called Messiah and Christ. And what does that mean? It means the anointed one. He was set apart for a particular purpose beyond anything that we read in the Old Testament. See, Jesus is the king of all kings. He's described in Hebrews as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's not sort of descended from the priestly line. That's a special priest set apart for God. He's the greatest of all of the prophets, speaking God's word because he is God, not just passing a message on. And then through his sacrifice, he allowed us to enter the, tabern the, the heavenly tabernacle. He brought us face to face with God through what he's done. And so the woman's actions are prophetic. They speak of who Jesus was in so many deep ways. But do you think that she knew all of those things? Do you think she realized he was the king of kings, that he was um, a priest in the order of Melchizedek? Did she know that he would bring us face to face with God? I think she probably didn't know all of that. I think she probably didn't have that whole picture. But she knew enough. She knew enough about who Jesus was that she was willing to give up something really precious to her to honor and to please him. And this is where I would categorize this encounter as worship. See, honoring or giving worth to something is what we call worship. It comes, in fact, from an old English word, worth Skype, which means to acknowledge worth. 
And that kind of uh, includes two parts. It means that we need to um, value something and see what it's worth, and then we need to acknowledge that. We need to respond. And we see that um, with this woman. She has obviously deemed that Jesus is worthy of giving up a very valuable asset, and so she does. She pours it over him, a complete outpouring of something really precious to her. Now, I think I can relate a little bit to the woman's sacrifice. This is just a small way. Um, This is a bottle of, I think it's eau de toilette, I don't know. Um, I was given a long, long time ago um, as a present, and it's still... I don't know if you can hear that. It's still quite full, because I use it really sparingly. It's for special occasions. It's for nice meals out, for weddings, things like that. I don't want to waste it, because it's presumably more expensive than my usual antiperspirant. (laughs) (laughs) I I save it because I think it's worth saving. And I imagine that's what the woman did. She'd had this jar of expensive perfume. She'd saved it. And now Jesus is here. This is the most special of occasions. This is better than any wedding or any meal out. And so she pours it all out to Jesus. That shows us just how much she thought that he was worth. And so let's apply that to our lives. We've got these two elements. We, we judge the value of, of something, and then we respond. And everyone is worshipping something Because we, as human beings, have been created to worship. So when you look at Jesus, what do you think that he is worth? And that's the real challenge that this woman's actions provoke us to be thinking. What is he worth? Is he worth, um, you know, an expensive perfume, maybe worth a year's wages? Is he worth an hour and a half on a Sunday morning? Or is he worth more than that? Tim Hughes, a well-known worship leader and pastor, says that if worshiping God fails to inspire or excite us, could it be that we're not seeing correctly? We're not grasping the enormity of who God is. We need to see who God is and all that he's done for us. And then once we've decided on what we think that Jesus is worth, that's when we can figure out what our reaction is going to be, our acknowledgement of his worth. If, like me, you believe the words of Ephesians 2, that without Jesus, we would still be dead in our sins, and that it's only by grace that we've been made alive and free, then surely Jesus is worth everything, because without him, we're dead. We need to be spiritually alive, and we have been bought at a price, Jesus' blood. So if Jesus is worth everything, then doesn't that mean that nothing is off the table when it comes to our response? We would choose to give him our expensive perfume. And we echo Paul's words from Romans 12.1, where in view of God's mercy, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Offering our bodies, or as the message puts it, our, um, our everyday ordinary lives to God is the right response when we see Jesus as being worth everything. So yeah, there is an element of sacrifice to it, but actually as Janet was just sharing, um, you know, compared to what we gain, it's a small sacrifice. It, it, you know, it pales into insignificance. 
Um, Jesus tells this parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And he says, these things, which are sort of uh, metaphors for the kingdom of God, for being with God, for knowing God, are worth selling everything because to gain it is to gain something um, beyond, uh, sort of beyond value. Now, that doesn't mean that we're buying ourselves grace. Don't, don't misunderstand me here. We're not buying favor with God. It his favor comes first. His grace comes first. His love comes first. And anything that we give to him is uh, our gratitude being poured out. So as I um, come to close, I've got two questions which the woman's uh, actions prompt us. What is Jesus worth to you? And what will you do in response? So we're going to spend just a few minutes quietly thinking about these. So firstly, what is Jesus worth to you? If you were to rank what you value most in life, where is Jesus? Would he be at the top of the pile? Or can you see other things that have come on top of him? A good way to check this is, is maybe to look at where you're spending your time, your money, and your energy. Because they can often reveal what we value. Maybe this morning you're thinking, oh, Jesus used to be my number one, but that was a while ago. I've got a, a, a good career. I've got a family. I've got dreams and expectations that have actually taken that top space. Or maybe you've been through some really difficult times. Maybe you struggled through trials and you think, is it really worth having Jesus in that top place? Because he didn't come through when I wanted him to. This morning, I feel like God is calling us back, people like that, to our first loves, calling us to put Jesus in his rightful place. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you're just investigating, and you're trying to figure out, well, who is this Jesus? What is he worth? Please do keep on digging. Um, yeah, there's, there's Why Jesus uh, leaflets, which are a fantastic resource. I don't know if we've got some at the back. Um, and Alpha is a, a fantastic way of investigating who Jesus was, what he's done, and as a result of that, figuring out what he's worth. So firstly, what is Jesus worth to you? And then the second question is, what will you do in response? Now, depending on what value you place on Jesus, maybe you need to start doing something, or maybe you need to stop doing something. Maybe God is asking you this morning to find your metaphorical expensive perfume to give to him. Again, if we look at our time, our energy, and our money, uh, it might look like committing to spend time with God. Now, the woman brought what she could, and so that doesn't mean that we need to carve out five hours every morning to spend in prayer. If you've got that time available, fantastic. It might just mean spending a couple of minutes as you make a cup of tea in God's presence rather than flicking on your phone. And it can, it can be really hard because of those work or family commitments. But again, what is Jesus worth to you? And maybe it's your energy that, you, uh, that God wants. Maybe he's asked you before to start doing something, to take something up, or to stop doing something. 
But that requires energy. Or maybe God is challenging you where you spend your money, how you spend it, or the value that you place on your money, that maybe you are putting your security in your bank balance rather than in him. I don't know what it looks like, but have a think about what it looks like to bring an offering to God. We don't just want to keep doing what we've always done because life circumstances change. And so our energy, our time, our money changes. So we need to constantly reevaluate what is our response to Jesus going to be. So let's just take a little bit of time in the choir as I invite Matt and the band up um, to lead us in some more, uh, in in another song maybe. You might want to pray with someone this morning. We'll have um, a team at the back who'd love to pray for you, whether it's something that you you think, I need to start or stop doing this. Maybe it's, uh, yeah, maybe life is great and you just want God to bless that. Maybe life is difficult and you want someone to stand alongside you. But yeah, they would love to pray with you. And if you do think of anything, any ways that you want to respond to Jesus, Do share that with someone that you trust. Help them to keep you accountable, to support and encourage you in those things. So let's pray. Um, Lord Jesus, help us to see who you are. Whether that's for the first time or for the umpteenth time, we want to see you afresh, Lord. And Jesus, show us how we can respond to your love and your grace towards us. Show us what we can bring as an offering to you, Lord.